0: Life Audio Hello and welcome to Kainas Project where we help you tackle ancient truths in everyday settings Well this is Dale here and me and Tamara we are taking a little break for the Christmas holiday and we hope that you are enjoying some time off as well But we thought it would be fun and helpful to drop in one of our older episodes. This episode was actually recorded in May of 2020, but we feel like it's still relevant to the conversation today, and it's all about whether you as a Christian should first identify yourself as a sinner or as a saint. So we hope that you have a Merry Christmas and that you find this episode helpful. Well, I thought I would start this episode by playing a game. Would you like to play a game with me?
1: I'm a little nervous because you actually didn't warn me about this, but sure, let's play a game.
0: Okay, so I am going to give you a job title that is a real job title that I found of someone on the internet, and you tell me what that person does, okay? Okay. Are you ready?
1: (laughs) Yes.
0: All right, a beverage dissemination officer. Um... That would be a bartender.
1: All right. Why are they not just called a bartender? That's
0: a good question. How about a twisted brother?
1: That's a job title?
0: A balloon artist.
1: (laughs) What if there's a girl who's a balloon artist? Is that a twisted sister?
0: I don't know. I mean, (laughs) you know. (laughs) How about a pneumatic device and machine optimizer?
1: Something with numbers.
0: A factory worker, actually.
1: Oh. Maybe, I'm sure there's numbers involved in
0: factories. How about a creativity analyst?
1: Does that have anything to do with marketing?
0: It's an assistant marketing manager. All right. What about accounting ninja?
1: Someone who's a ninja at accounting.
0: A financial manager.
1: Right, yeah. That one was a little bit easier than the other ones.
0: A social media trailblazer?
1: Um... Is there still trailblazing to do on current social media?
0: If you are on TikTok, maybe.
1: Oh well, yeah, I am too old for that, is what I am told.
0: How about this one? Director of fun. That's me. No, that's a director of marketing. Oh, Actually, it is you. Yeah, director Hi. of marketing.
1: I would say I am the director of fun in this family.
0: <laughs> so, chief fun officer.
1: Yes. So fun all day long.
0: All that to be said, it's a lot simpler and it makes a lot more sense when you title people according to what they actually do like if you work on plumbing you are a
1: plumber if you Ooh, work on
0: electrical then you are
1: an electrician
0: it just makes a lot more sense if you name people right or in their professions and identify them by what they do in a simple and clear way
1: not and a twisted brother
0: not a twisted brother that or twisted one was my sister <laughs>
1: I don't know why I really love that one. (laughs) To all my twisted sisters out there. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
0: But all that to be said, I think this is why Christians fall into a trap of self-identifying ourselves by what we do, which is sin. We do sin. We do sin. And what do you call someone who sins?
1: A filthy, dirty sinner.
0: So we often say, I'm a sinner saved by grace, which is true, but as we kind of continue to identify ourselves as sinner, as a primary identity, I wonder if that's something that we should do, or if there's a better way that we could be referring to ourselves.
1: I can definitely relate to being identified as a sinner, and that probably came out of the Reformation a little bit in terms of um, Martin Luther really trying to move away from this works-based faith and move into we are saved by the grace of Christ alone. And it's only through that that we are saved. But there's also this recognition of who you are as you're coming to Jesus, which you cannot bring him anything that's worthy of salvation. You can't bring him anything that's worthy of anything other than hell, which is what we see in scripture that none of us are good enough to measure up. And so I think out of that theology, which is accurate theology, which is a right understanding of how we come before Christ um, before we are saved, but then we want to keep that identity as a sinner even after salvation. And I think the Bible has something else to say about that. We definitely have this tension between are we sinners or... The other identifying piece that we see in Scripture is saints. I think we're a little bit uncomfortable with that term, saints, because we want to designate it to people like Mother Teresa. And I would say I'm nowhere close to Mother Teresa, but I think Scripture identifies Christians as saints far more than we give ourselves recognition.
0: Yeah, and you brought up the Protestant Reformation, which was in the 1500s. And it came at a time when the Roman Catholic Church had this great amount of power over people. It had this political power. It had, you know, even like military power. And there were people who, if they had more, then they could really purchase their own righteousness according to what the priests and the religious leaders would tell them. And so there was this real corruption where people thought, if I just give more, then I can buy my righteousness. I can buy my salvation. I can buy God's love. And when Martin Luther started this reformation, this revolution of going back to biblical theology, he, we we got this doctrine called total depravity, which basically says that as humans, that there's nothing good enough within us that we could ascend to the level of earning God's love, of getting back to that. And really we got this full understanding of God's grace, that it's by God's grace that we're saved, not by works or anything that we could do. But I think what happened as a byproduct of that, by saying like, no, humans, you're not good enough to get the love of God by your own efforts. What we ended, is true. Which is absolutely true. What we ended up with is that humans, you are not good enough. Humans, you are not good.
1: So that... That kind of understanding of who we are as humans became, that's just who we are as humans, whether I'm saved or I'm not saved. And I think that's where we see a bit of a problem, because when we look to Scripture, it seems to identify Christians a little bit differently than always calling us sinners
0: right and so people listening to this might be thinking like what do you mean should we be calling ourselves sinners of course we should be calling ourselves sinners isn't that what the bible calls us isn't that what you know scripture teaches us that that we are sinners and this is how we should identify ourselves and yes to a certain extent but the situation is a little bit more complicated than that where there are actually only a couple of verses in the bible where christians are actually referred to as sinners in the present tense
1: And we see those cases in James chapter four, verse eight, that says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded.
0: This is a great COVID-19 verse.
1: (laughs) It became verse of the day,
0: like a week after quarantine, I said, Bible app, you ain't got no chill. So said, wash your hands you sinners. And this one's actually interesting because if you look at it, we don't know if if James is actually even talking to believers at this point. Maybe it's people who are kind of at the door, at the gate of that. He says, draw near to God and he'll draw draw near to you. Uh, Is he actually talking to Christians in that verse when he calls them you sinners? Or is that identifying those who maybe don't have a relationship with God? And then there's one other verse that where, where we see a sinner referred to in the present tense, even though they're a Christian.
1: And that is found in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. It says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost.
0: And Paul says that's in the present tense. He says, Yes. I am a sinner of all the sinners. I am the foremost. I'm the biggest sinner in the room. So it's kind of hard to get around that where you, where it's not wrong to say, as a Christian, you are a sinner. But really, those are the only couple of verses where we get that marker of us in the present tense.
1: I think we need to make a clear distinction there. There are certainly multiple verses that you can find that refer to humans as sinners. But what we're talking about right now are what verses can we find in the New Testament that referred to Christians as sinners. Right.
0: Like once you come to faith, is that still the main marker you should be carrying around?
1: Right. And so these are the two verses that we were able to find. Uh, James is a little questionable because we're not actually sure. Is he talking to believers or non-believers? But I think in first Timothy, it's, it's very clear that Paul is referencing himself as a believer. He is identifying as a sinner in this verse. So we see a larger amount of verses within the New Testament that say Christians are saints versus Christians are sinners.
0: And this isn't to say that these are the only verses that the word sinner is used, but it's It is to say that those are the only verses, at least that I could find, where we're referred to that way in the present tense, where there's verses in Romans where Paul says, through Adam's sin, we were all made to be sinners, but through Christ and his righteousness, we were all made righteous. So it's again in that past tense kind of a thing. And uh, again, another verse in Romans that says, while we were still sinners, past tense, Christ died for us. And so there are other verses that that describe the general state of humanity, but it's kind of BC, before Christ. Before we came to faith, that's our identifier. But then when we come to faith, there's this whole new identification system that we get, and there's a lot of verses, a lot more verses that describe those.
1: Yeah, and you really see Christians painted in this positive view because obviously being called a sinner is not positive. And you see you see explanations or identifications of Christians as being in Christ, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, or even children of God. So we're no longer orphans. Um, we are now children of God. And so you really see this trade-off from what you were before you came to Christ. And who you are after. And I think one of those trade-offs as an identifier, though we still struggle with sin, could even be a sinner and now a saint in terms of how we identify. And Paul, I think it's an acts where you see Paul's story, his conversion, and his wild conversion where once he was someone who was killing Christians. And as he's explaining who he was before and trying to share who he is now, he even says that at one point, I was the one who was imprisoning the saints. And so he, he even sees Christians as saints and he constantly refers to the churches that he's writing to as saints.
0: And the word saint, it comes from this Greek word hagias, and it literally just means holy ones. It means ones that are set apart, ones that are made pure. So, really, when we're talking about saints, what we're saying is that we are holy, that we are righteous, that we are set apart in Jesus.
1: So, as people who are identified as saints, and you even see that in the book of Revelation as well, there are a lot of verses there that are talking about saints, and in the book of Romans, in Acts. So, there's plenty of places within the New Testament that refer to believers as saints, and that is difficult for us now to identify ourselves with that, I think especially because of the way that, maybe the way terms are used within the church, again, going back to saying we often identify as, yes, I am a sinner who is saved by grace, but we're still saying, I am a sinner. Like, it is who I am. And so there's really this difficulty of how do we identify ourselves.
0: Right, because we're really dealing with this paradoxical kind of situation where we see clearly in Genesis that humanity was created in God's image. God created the world and everything in it, and he said it was good. And then he created man and woman in his image, and he said it was very good, and so there's this goodness to humanity that is intrinsic to who we are. But then we see sin enter the world, death enter the world, and then we see people murdering people, people stealing having sex with people that aren't their spouse, just all manner of evil and darkness and sin that really engulfs humanity to the point where we're living with this paradox that we were created in the image of God to be good, very good, and yet there's this very real evil that has captured us. And when Jesus came and died, He paid the penalty for that evilness and that sin. And when he rose again, he rose to a new kind of resurrection life. And that's why when we're baptized, it says we're buried with Christ in his death. And we are raised in his resurrection to walk in newness of life. That when you raise up in Christ that you are fundamentally a different person. And Paul calls that being evil. In Christ that literally you are in Christ and Christ is in you and so the old is gone the new has come and so there's this newness and Martin Luther talked about this paradox of uh, the the person who is in Christ they are still fundamentally broken and sick and yet at the same time completely healed And we see this theme all throughout the New Testament of this already, but not yet. And so what we're living in right now is that in between who we are and the full realization of what that looks like. And so we're living in that paradox of we still sin, but there's this new and it's not just like a new title. It's like this new existential reality that has been given to us that we are no longer dead.
1: It changes who you are. And sometimes we forget that. So we still want to identify as sinner, even though we do take on a new identity, though we can't see the fullness of it right now. And so it's not to deny that we are still people who sin. We are far from perfect. God is continuing that good work in us that he began. And and we will see the end of that on the other side of eternity, which is really hopeful. But I think as, as we're wrestling with Scripture and even with who we are now, it's also important to ask the question, why does it matter how we identify ourselves?
0: Right, so why does it matter that we... So, you know, if I, I can say, well, I'm a sinner, or I can say, like, well, I'm a saint, there are two S words... But as long as you're still following Jesus and whatever, what does it matter that we make this distinction? Are we just kind of like playing around with, you know, a theology that doesn't really matter that much? What's the practical implications of this?
1: Well, first, it matters because the way that you identify yourself or what you believe about yourself actually begins to be true of who you are in some essence, it begin to dictate a bit of your actions. So if I call myself a sinner, then I continue to resonate with that and I continue to sit in that place as opposed to identifying as a saint, that really begins to change my outlook on life. It begins to change the way that I act and who I am, and and it also begins to change what I know is possible on this side of eternity.
0: One of my favorite verses that talks about this, it's really one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, is 2 Peter one three, And Peter tells us that by God's divine power, he's given us everything we need for living a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And that verse is so powerful to me that by God's power, he has given you Everything you need for living a godly life. Yeah. And so the question that comes out of that is who told you that you have to keep sinning? Like, who told you that you have to keep being broken? But so often we lean into that and say, well, I'm a sinner. This is what I struggle with. I'm a type nine on the Enneagram. So. I struggle with being passive aggressive. It's just who I am. It's just what I do. I can't really help it. And we lean into that identity as though that is fundamental and unchangeable when that's the thing that Jesus came to change, that he gave his life to change, that fundamentally that when you say that's just the way I am, that you wouldn't be referring to the the things that tear you down. You would say, this is just the way I am when you're showing kindness, when you're showing love, that that is who you are. And so when you think about it that way, you're not just fighting against these things that it's like a losing battle. You're fighting against things, whether it's your sin, it's brokenness, it's trauma. You're fighting against things that fundamentally disagree with who you are. It's not just the way you are anymore.
1: So there's a difference between sort of this worldly wisdom of self-help and being able to improve who you are and move out of these toxic rhythms that you've put in your life or people that you've put in your life. It's important to say as Christians, we're not buying into that because you are not able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and become a better person. You are still a sinner but as you come to Jesus and the work that he does in your life, he begins to sanctify you, which really just means that he begins to make you more like himself. He begins to make you more like Jesus. So those things, those dark places in your heart, those things of bondage that continue to hold you down and hold you back in life can actually be set free. They can be broken. They The chains can be loosened because of the power of Jesus, not because of your own ability to become a better person. And the importance of having this discussion of, as a Christian, am I a sinner or am I a saint? Sometimes we're like, well, it's both. But it's important that you really see that distinction that's laid out in scripture, uh, just simply by the weight of verses that continue to refer to Christians as saints. There's a far larger collection of verses that you can take and say, this is a great way to identify yourself.
0: And there's something in there that you said that I wanted to pull out where you said that in in Christ, those chains are loosened. Where without Christ, if you say like, I'm just broken, I'm sinful, that, that was just the way you were. It was just the way you were wired. You were born into a broken world, a sinful world. There was evil things in your heart. That was just the way you were. And that was a shackle that kept you from becoming the person that God intended you to be. That these longings in your heart to be made whole, to always do the right thing, to find meaning and purpose and fulfillment, that's a good thing that God put within you. But sin and death had shackled you. And what Jesus came to do by the power of his resurrection is break those chains. And so when we continue to identify with our slavery, then we're not leaning into the freedom that Jesus came to bring us. And so when we try to do the right things, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to be an honest person, I'm not going to get angry at the people who cut me off on the freeway. Really, we're leaning into, but I'm still just a sinner, I'm still sh- shackled by this, I'm still not going to you know, get it right, then really what we're doing is we're just trying to inch our way towards good points versus bad points. To be good little boys and girls rather than bad little boys and girls. And this is what Paul talks about in Galatians that we we were – it's for freedom that we were set free. So don't go back to the yoke of slavery. Don't go back to just winning these little points when what Jesus came to do is completely fundamentally shift the way you look at the world and to say like that is actually no longer who I am. I'm no longer enslaved to that. I don't have to lean into that because it disagrees with who I am and you're not going to get it right. Obviously what we're not saying is that, okay, well, I'm a saint now, so I can just, you know, say I'm a saint and I'm not going to mess up anymore. That's obviously not true, but I think there's, there's an abundance of life that comes from focusing on who you're becoming rather than who you were in the past to strain on forward towards what's ahead Than to continue to dwell on, well, these are the things that I've done. This is who I am. I'm still not perfect. But looking forward to that, there's going to be so much more progress made and there's going to be so much more joy in the journey if that's what you're focused on.
1: Right. Because leaning into your identity as a saint actually gives way to the growth that Jesus is trying to do in your life. If you continue to identify as only a sinner, only a sinner, and there's nothing more of me than that, then it really begins to rob you of the richness of your salvation.
0: Yeah. And some of this might kind of sound like it's better living through positive thinking.
1: Mm, Which is not what we're saying.
0: Right. But how is it different from that?
1: A big difference between what we're saying and what positive thinking is continues to say is that positive thinking is it's only within yourself like you have the ability within who you are to become better or if you think positive thoughts then good things come your way. What we're trying to say is you have to continue to give those sins to Jesus and lay them down at his feet and he's going to be the one to continue to work those things out. It's not going to be you waking up every morning saying I'm going to be a better person because you don't have it within yourself to do that. You need something outside of yourself. You need something that has power, and that's Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit coming in your life to actually work. And the practical side of this is actually as we deal with everyday sin, and some of us could probably say there are some real big sin pieces in our life that we've maybe continued to struggle with and we just can't seem to shake them, and that's hard. Because you're discouraged by it. You're thinking, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a saint. Why do I continue to struggle with this sin? And so it's not to say that you need to continue to work harder and be better. Because that's not what Jesus has. But you need to continue to lay that down at the feet of Jesus and say, I need your power to come into my life and break me of this. I need your power to come in my life and set me free of this. And there are obviously major, major sins that are absolutely destructive to our lives that we need freedom from. And we can't find that freedom within ourselves. Positive thinking isn't going to set you free from pornography. Positive thinking isn't going to set you free from an abusive relationship. So many things that positive thinking is not going to help you with. But the power of Jesus and the blood of Christ in your life is going to help you. And so the very practical elements of identifying as a saint over a sinner is actually how you view your sin and how you view the growth that can come in your faith through the freedom of that sin. And for me, I could go back and say, absolutely, I've, I've been an angry person since I can remember. That's just who I was and who I am. I mean, I remember thinking, you know, I can't help but be angry. Like, at least a few times a week, I have just this anger that kind of wells up within me and I can't, I don't know what else to do with it. It's just who I am. Because... Trying to be positive about it or trying to work my way out of anger didn't seem to get me anywhere, but I have to continue to lay that down at the feet of Jesus and know he has certainly worked on me in that area and I can see the way that he has moved me from being a person full of anger to actually being a person full of joy. And so he begins to take these sin issues in your life and actually trade them for something better. Mm -hmm. And so the anger that I had has been traded for joy. And that's very practical because I can sit and say, I'm just an angry person. It's just who I am. The rest of you guys just need to learn how to live with it. Or I can shove it down deep inside until all of a sudden it just explodes.
0: And that's a very hopeless place to be. If right. this is just the way I am, and even though Jesus died and rose again, if this is just as good as it gets and there's no better hope than that because that's just the way I am, it's a very hopeless mentality to have.
1: And that's why it's important to lean into to the work that Jesus did. Because if you begin to lean into the fact that you're a sinner, you're actually losing some of the power of the cross. Right. Because the work of Jesus is so much greater in your life than simply saying this is just who I am until the day I die and then I'm going to go to heaven. Which is absolutely amazing that we even get the opportunity to go to heaven not to downplay that or to make that a small thing in any way.
0: Right, but it's so much more than that hand stamp.
1: It's more than a hand stamp and it's actually transforming the way that you live now and identifying as a sinner over and over and over again. makes small the transformation of Jesus in your life.
0: Mm, It does. But if you have this sense of hopefulness that you say, I'm not an angry person, like that's disagreeable to who Christ has made me to be, that I'm not this person that is full of these sins that are weighing me down, that those disagree with who I am, And so long as that's not who I am, I might fall into that again and again and again and again. But if that's not who I am, and if I can keep pressing forward into who I'm becoming in Jesus, that's a very hopeful thing. And I I keep going back to this, but I feel like we don't really ever grasp the gravity of the truth that we are in Christ that when you come to faith, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. God himself comes into your soul and, and becomes one with with you as a person. And I used to always tell this to uh, the junior hires that I would pastor. I say that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your heart and what he's doing is he's starting to rearrange the furniture. That he's starting to move things around in such a way that like here's the way things were built to function. And so if you can keep that mentality, regardless of how many times you fall, if you say, yeah, I've done this for literally like the thousandth time and I don't know why I keep doing it. I hate that I do it, but it's still not part of who I am because Christ is removing that from me because who I am as a saint in him, that's a hopeful place to be. And I love this other verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. I think it's verse 58. It says, Therefore, in light of all of that, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And if it's just the who we are, then your labor's in vain. It doesn't mean anything. It's just like the scorecard is zero when you die. And it, it's like this life doesn't even really matter. But... If you are fundamentally changing in the here and now and you're laboring towards becoming who you were meant to be, if you're focusing on who you're becoming, none of that is in vain. All of it is eternally meaningful because you're leaning into the identity of who you're going to be forever and who God created you to be forever. And so learn like who you're meant to be today.
1: And so that's why it's so important for us to not only understand who we are in Christ, which which is very different than who we were before Christ. And that's hard to kind of wrap our minds around sometimes because it feels like all we have ever known is our identity as a sinner. And so it's really easy to continue to go back and say, this is who I am because it's it's the rhythms you've always lived in. But the more we begin to lean into who, who God has called us to be and who he has redeemed us to be, it really gives us this opportunity to be the people that he has set apart, the saints that he has called out in this world to live the way that he has wanted us to live. And the more you embrace your identity as a saint, the more you embrace your identity as one who is called out, you begin to see the growth and the transformation that Jesus has intended for you in your life as a follower of him.
0: Yeah, and I think too, even the things that you struggle with, they they begin to lose their luster to you. Those sins that have... You know, kind of held on to you, they begin to lose their luster when you constantly tell those sins, like, that's not who I am anymore. That, like, in Christ, like, that's not what we do. That's not who we are anymore. The more that you preach that narrative to yourself, that by the power of Jesus, those things aren't who we are anymore, eventually you start to lose your taste for those. And the more that you're able to do that in increasing measure, And with increasing consistency, the more it's going to naturally flow from you the the good things that you want to do. And that's why Paul talks about in Galatians walking in the spirit. He says the fruit of the spirit, if you're living into this identity of walking with the spirit, then you're going to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. But if you're walking in the flesh, you're saying, "Oh, this is just who I am. When you're talking about who you were, then you're gonna lean into all of those things where whether it's greed or malice or anger or hatred or lust or whatever it might be, wherever you' life is kind of it's directional it's you're going that direction or you're going that direction. And so really, you want to choose carefully what direction you set your gaze towards, because as you set your gaze. That 's really going to determine your destiny, and not necessarily in an eternal sense, because if you have faith in jesus and you're then you 're safe in him, but really in so many ways in life, wherever you 're looking that 's where you 're headed, and so you want to be careful where you're looking, and a big part of that flows from you asking yourself this question, "Who am I really and so we hope that's encouraging to you, we hope that's thought provoking. And we would encourage you to lean into your identity as a saint rather than a sinner. You're still going to sin this week, but maybe, hopefully, a little bit less than you did last week. This, this is my skyship, Dreamer. My cargo is stories,
1: and our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids bedtime stories, go to LifeAudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at Abide.com